I read in a story, and this is just a story, mind you, about a 2,000-member Baptist church that was filled to capacity one Sunday morning. And just as the preacher was getting ready to start preaching, two men dressed in long black coats and black ski masks walked in through the back of the church. One of the two men walked to the middle of the church while the other stayed at the back. And then they both reached under their black coats and they pulled out their automatic weapons. And one towards the front said, Everyone who is willing to take a bullet for Jesus, stay in your seats. In just a few moments, the pews began to empty. Followed by the deacons, the choir, and even the youth pastor. After a few minutes, there was only about 20 people left sitting in the church. And the preacher stood firm, gripping the pulpit. And then the men took their weapons and put them away and calmly said, All right, Pastor, all the hypocrites are gone. You can start preaching now. I guess that's one way to separate the saints from the sinners. Amen? But... That's not the only way you can discern committed Christians from non-committed Christians. Sadly, it takes a whole lot less than that to figure out who's committed and who's not. So how do you find out? How do you tell the difference between a committed Christian and one who's not? Well, a couple of suggestions are this. You know, when a person gets a paycheck, what do they do with it? Do they immediately begin to study what they're going to pay, what bill they're going to pay, and what they're going to go buy? Or they immediately begin thinking about how they're going to give back to the Lord in some form or fashion. A three-day weekend or vacation can sometimes give an indication of a person's commitment to Christ or the lack of it. What do they do on that three-day weekend? What do they do while they're on vacation? Do they remember to honor the Lord and to worship Him while they're gone? But what if someone approaches a Christian at work and says to that Christian, Man, my life is utterly miserable. Something has got to change in my life. I need some help somewhere. What the Christian says speaks volumes about his or her commitment to Christ. Will he or she offer hope in Jesus as the answer? Or will they just try to cheer him up? Will he speak up for Jesus? Or will he just shut up and say nothing? 
Friend, are you a committed Christian? I mean, just how religious are you? It seems that being religious is almost a curse word in our day and time. And the reason for that is because that word religious can refer to a great many things. People can be religious about sports. They can be religious about PlayStation, right Colton? <laughs> they can be religious about movies, about TV. They can be religious about traveling, shopping, hunting, or fishing. You name it. And people can be very religious about it. But how religious are we when it comes to our commitment to Jesus Christ? The big difference between all those religions and Christianity is that Christianity is based, driven, and sustained by, listen to me, a living relationship with our Creator and Savior. An ongoing, vibrant, vital, living relationship with God. So do you have a relationship with Jesus that leads you to be religious when it comes to your daily activities? You know, the Bible says that if you're religious in regards to your commitment to Christ... You'll be committed in at least four ways. Now on page 1072 in the Bibles in front of you, I'm going to share with you a few verses from the book of James. James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. I always say he got the same mob but different pa. Amen? But James was a leader in the early church. And I want you to listen to what he says as the Holy Spirit directs him. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, we find four ways that can help us discern if we're committed Christians or not. In verse 22, James writes, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing himself in a mirror. For he observes himself and then he goes away and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was or what he saw in the mirror. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty in Jesus... And continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue. But deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. 
So the first thing that the half-brother of the Lord says to us in this passage, he says, if you're committed to the Savior, if you're committed to Jesus Christ, you will listen and do the Word of God. Back in the 1980s, some of you may not know, but I worked in the character division at Walt Disney World. And one of the benefits of working in the character division was I got to ride Sky, uh, Space Mountain as many times as I wanted to. But one thing that I remember is as you were on the walk in to Space Mountain to that roller coaster, there was an animatronic display that sponsored, was sponsored by the electronics company RCA. Now, RCA's advertising slogan had a dog. A dog sitting in front of an old-timey record player intently listening to the sound that was coming out of that record player. Now, what was really cool is that dog had his head cup. Like, what's that? Well, RCA used that image in their advertising up until the time that Sony bought them out. But that dog was real. That dog was named Nipper. And Nipper was owned by a man named Francis Barad, who had recorded his own voice on a record. And even after Barad passed away, Nipper would sit in front of that record player, listening intently to his master's voice. Now to me, that is a beautiful image of the relationship you and I ought to have with Jesus. Yes, Jesus has gone away from the earth. And no, we do not any longer hear his physical voice. However, we do sit in front of his word. We do kneel in prayer to him. And we do listen for our master's voice to give us the direction that we need. This Bible that we just read for, from was given to you to be the voice of the Lord in your life. And this word, this Bible, was given to you not only to be heard, but also to be observed. It was given to you to be heard, and then, listen to me, and then fleshed out in your life. In fact, a true sign that a person has heard and is doing the Word of God is when that person truly is obedient to the voice of Jesus that they hear. So I ask you this question this morning. Are you listening? Are you listening to the voice of Jesus? Do you really listen when God's word is preached? Well, here's how you can tell if you're a good listener to God's word. Verse 22, James said it outright. You will be a doer of the word and not a hearer only deceiving yourself. 
You know, anybody can come to church. Anybody can come and hear a sermon. You don't even have to leave the house. You can listen online and hear a sermon. Anybody can read the Bible if they want to. But the proof that they understand what they've heard is when they start doing the word of God. And the illustration that James gives us here is quite obvious. He says, when you look into the mirror of God's word, it'll show you what you look like. When you look into the mirror of God's word and you see yourself as you really are, a human being in sinful flesh amongst thousands of sinful people in a sinful world, you'll see yourself as you really are. But the question I think he begs to ask is this. How can you not want to see some changes in your life? If you're seeing sin, if you're seeing wickedness, if you're seeing evil in the things that you think, things that you do, the way that you talk, the attitude you keep, how can you not want to change that as a child of God? How can you not want to do something about what you've read? Well, the bottom line is this. If you're committed to Christ... You will do something. You will do something about the word of God. You will do something in Jesus' name. But James doesn't stop there. He also says, if you're committed to Christ, you'll also watch your tongue. I saw that, Stephanie. One Sunday morning, a preacher named John Wesley wore this bow tie and these long ribbons that came down his shirt as he preached. And after the sermon, a lady came up to him and asked him, Mr. Wesley, are you open to a little criticism? He said, well, I guess so. What would you like to criticize? She said, those ribbons on your bow tie. They're way too long and they're totally inappropriate for a man of God. And so she reached into her purse, she took out some scissors, and she cut them off. Everybody standing around went totally silent. And then Wesley calmly asked, he said, now ma'am, may I borrow your scissors? She handed them to her, to him, and he asked her, are you open To a little criticism. She said, well, I suppose so. And Wesley said, okay, stick out your tongue. (laughs) Another translation of verse 26 goes like this. If anyone considers himself religious, committed to Christ, and yet does not Keep a tight rein on their tongue. He deceives himself. And his religion is worthless. You know, I think that's perhaps one of the hardest things for Christians to do. Is keep their mouths shut. Somebody say amen. One of the hardest things for Christians to do is to control our tongues. 
to control our speech, to control the words we use. And do you know when you see it most illustrated? In marriage. It's crazy the kind of words that husbands and wives sometimes use when they're talking to each other. And it's not always just the words. Lots of times it's that ugly tone. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? But I like... <laughs> don't get me started, y'all. I try not to use personal examples for illustrations, okay? We're going to leave that one alone. But I like that saying that I read on a t-shirt that said, Lord... Make my words sweet as honey, because tomorrow I may have to eat them. That works, by the way, even outside of marriage. William Norris wrote, wrote it this way. He said, if your lips would keep from slips, five things observe with care. To whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how, and when, and where. Keeping a tight rein on our tongues can be difficult. It can be really, really hard to keep a tight rein on our tongue. Mama said, if you ain't got something nice to say, don't say it at all. And that's good advice. But the best way for the believer to observe that scripture verse is to take it to the Lord in prayer. If you take it to Jesus in prayer, he will tell you whether or not it's okay for you to say it or not. But you got to ask to receive. You can't just blurt it out and say, well, I'll go ask for forgiveness. Amen? Amen? If you're committed to Christ, you'll do something about God's word. You'll do something in the name of Jesus. And if you're committed to Christ, you will also watch your tongue. But James doesn't stop there. He also says, if you're committed to Christ, you will also minister to those who are in distress. You will minister to those who are in distress. Now, on September the 11th, 2001, that happened to be a very distressing day for America. You may remember it. On that day, nearly 3,000 Americans were killed as terrorists attacked the World Trade Center towers. That day was also, however, a distressing day for a woman named Juanita Shepherd. You see, that was the day that her son, who happened to be a pastor, had to put Juanita into a nursing home. The hospital doctor said, you can't stay at home no more. You're too weak, you're too sick, and you can't even see. The son didn't want to, but he didn't feel like he had any choice. So the day before the 11th, on the 10th Monday... That boy went out and he 
found a good nursing home that was nice, it was clean. The people were really, really nice there. But then the next morning, on September the 11th, Tuesday morning, first thing in the morning, he had to take Miss Juanita to a nursing home. And it was only later that he found out that while that was happening, these jets were flying into the World Trade Center towers. It was a distressing day for America, but boy, it sure was a distressing day for Miss Juanita too. I've always heard, you better treat your children well because they're going to be choosing your nursing home. Somebody say amen. See, this pastor's mother was not the only distressed widow who was in that particular home. There were plenty of distressed widows and many of them had been neglected. No one wanted to visit them. Not many people even spoke to them throughout each and every day. Now there are some people who feel like they don't do enough for their family members that are in nursing homes. But many residents have family in the very same town, and yet those residents never get a visit. Can I just say that if you are truly religious, if you are truly committed to Christ on the authority of what James just said, we ought to have a burden. We ought to have a burden and be willing to minister to those who are in distress. And our nursing homes are full of them. One translation of verse 27 says, Religion that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Friend, you ain't got to look very far to find a young person who needs a godly influence in their life. You don't have to look very far, friend, to find a distressed elderly person who could really use a visit and a kind word. You know how much skill it takes? Just the willingness to be committed to Christ. And if we're not real, real careful, if we're not paying attention, you and I may miss out on ministering to some people. And how many of you know that God's priority is people? It's not our hunting and fishing trip, it's not our vacation. It's not the things we want to do. People are God's priority. So don't miss out on the opportunity to minister to a person, young or old. Because God just may want to bless them through you. Whenever you visit a nursing home, Whenever you take a young person under your wing, just know that you are obeying God. And it's a sure sign 
that you are committed to Christ. If you're committed to Christ, you'll do something. You will keep a tight rein on your tongue. And friend, you will begin to be willing to minister to those who are in distress. But James gave us one more sure sign of a person who is committed to Christ. He said, you will keep yourself clean. The way you put it was this way. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Yes, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I read where some friends took preacher Bud Robinson throughout the city of New York to see all the sights. And that night, Bud came back to his hotel, hotel, his hotel room and he prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, thank you so much for allowing me to see the sights of New York. And thank you for allowing me not to want a single thing I saw. I ain't missed nothing up in New York. But when it comes to the world's pollution, you ain't got to go to New York. You ain't got to go to California to find it. It's all around us, friend. The world's pollution is all around us. And I know there's nothing wrong with going and seeing the sights of the country and of the world as long as you don't get infatuated with them. And as long as you don't forget who you are in Christ, no matter where you go. But seriously, there are people who get so caught up in things. So caught up in possessions that they actually begin to worship them. And you know, as well as I do, that worshiping anything more than God is idolatry. And, God, and the scriptures speak very clear and warn us very clearly against this. In Romans chapter 1 verse 25, Paul writes, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Because they worshipped and served created things instead of the creator. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be lovers of pleasure instead of being lovers of God. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Have nothing to do with them. John said, real clear, do not love the world or anything in the world. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of God ain't in him. In this world of sinful contamination, you and I, as God's children, must stay as clean as possible. Why? Because our Father is holy. And our Father wants you to be holy. That's how we make a difference in the world we live in. While addressing some Southern Baptist leaders, George Gallup. Maybe you've heard of the Gallup polls that are taken. Said this. Gallup said that our surveys find that there is very little difference in the ethical behavior between churchgoers and those who are not religious. The levels of lying, cheating, 
and stealing are remarkably similar. Even though seven of ten Americans claim that they're Christians. How do we keep from getting contaminated by the world? I mean, friend, it's okay to be in the world. We don't have any choice in that matter, but we don't have to be of the world. Amen? So what do we do? Well, we keep looking up, for one. Keep reading God's word, and more importantly, keep living it. Keep obeying God the best you can, not the least you can. Many Christians obey God the least they can. Stop straddling the fence. Realizing who owns the fence. Who is it? Who owns the fence? God don't own the fence. The devil owns the fence. You're either with God or you're against God. You cannot be neutral. If you're neutral, you might as well be with the enemy. And make sure that you choose Christ over the world. Friend, if we can repeatedly choose Christ throughout our days, choosing Christ and not the contamination of the world, He will keep us clean. He will. So if you're religious about Jesus, listen and do something in His name. Be a doer of the word. Make sure that you watch your tongue. Many relationships have been broken by harsh, ugly words. And you let those harsh, ugly words out there, and you know how much opportunity you get to share Jesus with them after that? Zip. They don't want to hear from you. You're the one that talked ugly to them. Minister to those in distress. You ain't got to go far, friend. Young people all in our community that could really use a good example like you. Countless Elderly, senior citizens that could really use just something as simple as a visit. Man, they crave it. They love being loved on. And they're waiting for you. And God is waiting to bless you as a result of it. And then, of course, we also need to keep ourselves clean and pure and undefiled. Don't get contaminated by the world. You stay clean like Jesus wants you to be. I read about two brothers down our way. One was do and one was say. But one thing from none was hid. Say always said and do always did. So what does that tell you? About being religious. What does that tell you about your commitment to Christ? It tells us what's most important about our relationship with Jesus. If we're committed to Christ, we will put our faith in action. It's not just a personal thing. You will put your faith in action. As we close, listen to what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. He says... But God, who is rich in mercy, rich in giving you that which you did not deserve, rich, friend, 
and not giving you what you deserved. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ, by grace we've been saved, and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, God might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift a gift of God. And friend, the reason I wanted to share that verse is because what I've been sharing with you today is not how you receive the gift of God. We don't receive the gift of God by doing anything. We've already done enough, wouldn't you say? We don't get saved by something we can do or how you receive the gift of God. It's how you respond having received God's gift. That's what James was talking about. The gift of God, eternal life in heaven, is received by faith only trusting that Jesus has already done everything necessary to purchase your forgiveness and to purchase your place in heaven. And I want you to know today that you can receive that gift. And I encourage you that if you have not turned your life over to the Lord Jesus, that today will be your day. Why wait? Why hesitate another second? Why not give your life to Christ? And if you already have, well, just how committed are you? Are you doing what the Word of God says to do? Do you watch the words you use? Are you trying to help folks who are in distress? Are you keeping yourself unspotted from the world? If there's something that you need to address, I just want you to know this altar is open. We will pray. If you want this day to be your day of salvation, you just take a step forward. I assure you God will take your feet and take you the rest of the way. And you can be saved today. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we rejoice at this opportunity to make decisions based upon what we've heard from your word. It's clear that your word changes people. And Lord, no matter what this decision time holds, Father, we ought to be changed by what we've heard. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that great and mighty things are going to occur in every individual, in every marriage, in every family, and in this church, based upon the authority of Scripture and how it unfolds in our life. Lord, help us to be doers and not hearers only. Lord, help us to have that pure and undefiled religion in that we are willing to minister to those who are in distress. Lord, help us to keep a tight rein on our tongue. Words can be so harmful. Words can tear down, they can destroy, or they can encourage, and they can build. Lord, let us build with our words. And Father, I pray that when we leave this place and the contamination of the world is all around us, I pray that we will make distinct, intentional, and deliberate choices to remain unspotted in this world we live in. Lord, whatever decision someone is contemplating now, I pray you give them the courage to come. 
And Lord, I pray that you will receive all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said.